You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Take time to pray. It is the sweet oil that eases the hinge into the garden so that the doorway can swing open easily. You can always go there. Consider yourself blessed. These stones that break your bones will build the altar of your love. Your home is the garden. Carry its odor hidden in you into the city. Suddenly, your enemies will buy seed packets and fall to their knees to plant flowers in the dirt by the road. They'll call you friend and honor your passing among them. When asked, who was that? They will say, oh, that one has been beloved by us since before time began. This from people who would have trampled over you to maintain their advantage. Give everything away except your garden, your worry, your fear, your small-mindedness. Your garden can never be taken from you. Welcome to The Imperfect Buddhist, where we discuss Buddhism and incorporating mindfulness into modern life. My name is Matthew Hawk Mahoney, and today's episode is titled Coming Home to Yourself. Lately, I've been finding myself becoming more and more distracted. I've been working from home on a computer job. I find myself scrolling through my phone. I I had even put Instagram and Facebook in a separate folder on my phone to help remind me like, hey, is this like what you want to be looking at right now? It's weird how these old habits have a way of grabbing back onto us. Just this morning, I had had a pretty busy week gearing up to go to Cincinnati for work. It's just been a really busy time at work, so I've been spending a lot of time looking at the computer. I started to feel like I woke up this morning feeling disembodied, disconnected from not feeling grounded. Every morning, I sit for at least 10 minutes. I do some breathing exercises, and then I sit. I start a little timer on an insight timer. As I sat there, I could just see all the fluctuating thoughts and energy inside of myself. This feeling of not wanting to sit, not even wanting to sit for 10 minutes, even though many, many times over and over again, I see the benefits and I find that connection on the other side. It doesn't stop that mind, though, from turning over and making the process of meditation somewhat difficult at first. As I sat some of that started to settle, to use a Buddhist term, my true mind starts to come up from behind that. I know that that could sound really cheesy, but things are cheesy usually because there's not a better way of explaining it. That's really what it is. Maybe I've had this like feeling of seriousness, thinking about my trip, or I had this nightmare about missing the plane. I just kind of had this feeling of, oh no, just gripping on and feeling uncomfortable. Then just even sitting 10 minutes, I was able to smile a little bit. Look at all this drama going on inside of myself with some objectivity and come back to my true mind. In Buddhism, they call it big mind. I've talked about that in previous episodes, but big mind is the ability to hold yourself and your emotions, your experience as a human being in an open awareness. 
and to hold all these sometimes conflicting emotions and thoughts all in the same space and to not be fully absorbed by them. Big mind is experiencing the whole of life, the whole of your experience. After sitting for 10 minutes, I just looked at my wife and I was like, it's amazing how easy it is to forget that even just sitting for 10 minutes, intentionally focusing your mind and the present moment, how grounding that can be. It just feels like coming home to myself. I get lost out there among all the confusion, all the noise, busyness, frustration, and excitement. I just feel like buzzing. And then I just take time to just sit down and intentionally focus my mind into the present moment. This idea of coming home to yourself, as you start to practice, you start to sit, you'll have little glimpses of touching something more solid in yourself and in your life. It might be a small taste at first. And then as you begin to practice and as you begin to dedicate yourself to sitting, more and more you come in contact with a state of being just right behind the veil of all of this noise of thinking, emotion, and drama. Mostly human-created mental drama we've created as a society and as individuals. You start to step into that through your meditation practice. And over time, you start to bring that with you into your day. You start to bring that into life, into the marketplace. It manifests in different ways for different people. Most recently for me, it started to manifest as smiling. Smiling gets a bad rap these days. My wife, a couple years ago, was walking along the streets of Grants Pass, Oregon. She was on a lunch break, or maybe she was getting a coffee. This guy, this older man stopped her and said, you know, you're so much more beautiful when you smile. And she told him off. She's like, I'm not here for your, your pleasure, which was cool. So smiling gets a bad rap, and I'm sure your parents or parents you knew, my mom did it. Just smile, honey. It's such a frustrating thing to be told to like smile when you don't feel good or you're not happy or don't feel right. I'm talking about a different kind of smiling. This smiling wells up from a place of knowing, a place of peace, a place of slight detachment from what I'm experiencing. It comes at different times and it feels quite natural to me now. I use the smile as a way to outwardly say to my experience and to myself, it's ultimately not that important. It's a way of acknowledging it, but acknowledging it in a non-hostile way, acknowledging what's going on inside of myself and in the outside world in a way that manifests that true reality that you experience when you meditate. It's that soft embracing of experience without getting attached or holding on to it or gripping it. We can smile at different situations in life. It's become a powerful practice for me. Small example recently was we were going out to dinner with my father-in-law and his wife. For whatever reason, I just kind of had this like feeling of anxiety, not wanting to be around people. Felt like this sense of terror inside for whatever reason. Then it just hit me. I just saw the situation and I came to it with this place of peace. It was like a smiling at what was going on inside of myself in that moment, in that experience. It's a recognition of just it isness. <laughs> it's a recognition of isness, recognition of just what it is. Hey, I'm I'm experiencing some anxiety. I feel awkward. Okay. Smile. That's that's okay. That's what it is. So how do we develop this mind? Develop this spirit, this way of being that can 
encounter life and encounter emotions and experiences in a lighthearted way. Allow ourselves to truly experience what's happening without layers of judgment or should be or should not be clearly experiencing our lives. How do we develop this mind? And you know the answer, it's meditation. We cultivate this mind through sitting. We cultivate this mind through right practice. Don't get hard on yourself and turn into a perfectionist by saying right practice. There's many variations of meditation that are out there, guided apps, and they can all be helpful. But the most powerful practice I've found is sitting down, starting with a couple minutes of timed breathing. And then I use a timer, a simple timer, and I start it for 10 minutes in the morning. And the bell rings. I come back to my body. I feel the cushion on my legs. I watch the sensation of my breathing. I'm not controlling it, but I feel the air coming into my lungs and I watch it leave. I feel the cool air on my nostrils as the air comes in, the warm air as it leaves. I'm grounding myself in sensations of this moment. Maybe it's hard for me to do this stuff because there's an emotion inside of me. There's a tightness, tension, or heat, whatever's going on in there. If that happens, then that means I need to pay attention to that. And so I bring my attention to that. I don't start thinking about it. I feel whatever's going on inside. This is called the witnessing presence. It's not judging. It's not questioning. It's witnessing. You are seeing what's happening. That's all. You're just observing it. And through observing it, it starts to unravel. It starts to change. And maybe it doesn't change. Maybe that rock just sits in your stomach the whole 10 minutes. But usually it changes. Usually something happens as you see what's going on in your body. Your body craves this attention. We're so in our heads. And so wrapped up in thinking that a lot of the times we miss this connection. So you sit there for that 10 minutes. Typically, once you feel the emotions inside, the sensations, they tend to dissipate and you can come back to your breathing and you come back to your body. Feeling your body takes time. I'm not talking about just sitting when you feel bad. Usually people come to meditate when things aren't going so great. Maybe they feel anxious or depressed or they got in a fight or they're feeling spun out. They've tried everything. They ate all the different foods and drank all the different drinks, smoked all the different smokes. And they still don't feel good. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to try meditation. And then they start getting some headway. They start finding some clarity. And then they forget to meditate. And then the cycle starts over again. It's normal. I still do it from time to time. Although over the years of practicing, I've come to find that having a regular practice, a regular practice of coming home to yourself, whatever time that works for you, if in the morning before you start your day, that can be the most beneficial. But not everybody is an early waker, early starter. So if you can, just start setting a time every day. You're setting a time to come home, a time to feel grounded and to develop a mindfulness. It isn't easy. There isn't anything easy about spiritual practice. But as M. Scott Peck would say, love is effortful. So this is a loving thing to do for yourself and for the world. Because when you come in contact with yourself and you deal with your things, you stop putting that on the outside world, you stop putting that on other people, you stop letting it run your life. You start to gain some objectivity with your emotions and your pains, your wounds, inflictions that happened when you were a kid. 
you start to take responsibility for that stuff. You start to untangle it and process it. Eventually, you start to regain power from these things. You begin to regain that. You begin to become whole again, and you begin to have more energy to put into things that matter to you, put energy into purposeful things, loving things, things that add value to your life and other people's life. You become whole again when you stop pushing these energies away, when you stop negating them or or not processing them and letting them run your lives. The other morning I was getting ready for work. I think it was a Monday and I'd had a rough conversation with my boss, somewhat rough. It hit some buttons inside of me. I just like couldn't sleep very well. I just was turning over and over in my head about how I was going to respond the next day and sort things out and fix how I'd been wronged. I went running at the gym and then I showered and then I sat down and meditated. Continued this process of just seeing this drama inside of myself. It was a very acute feeling. And that to me was a sign like, okay, this is some drama. Or as one of my teachers would say, the karma. He would look at karma in a different way than typical people. When you say karma is a bitch, you talk about you get what you give, right? For him, karma was more about these energy patterns in ourself. This thing happens. It leads to this thing happening in ourselves. It leads to us responding this way in life. So I just saw this karmic cycle inside of myself. That smile came to me after sitting for a moment and I felt this release. I felt this energy inside like go back into my chest. I felt it go back and fill my body with life force. Like I was reclaiming this energy that had kind of got diverted into this storyline of defense and attack. I felt free. Since then, some of these energy patterns come back up. It's not like it's over once we have these breakthrough moments, but it's a sign that we're on the right path. I recently bought a book for my wife, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I saw this book sitting on the dining room table as it had been for a week or two and decided to flip it open. And this is what I flipped open to. As you grow spiritually, you will realize that your attempts to protect yourself from your problems actually create your problems. If you attempt to arrange people, places, and things so that they don't disturb you, it will begin to feel like life is against you. You will feel that life is a struggle and that every day is heavy because you have no control and fight with everything. There will be competition, jealousy, and fear you will feel that anyone at any moment could cause you disturbance. All they have to do is say or do one thing. And the next thing you know, there's disturbance inside of you. That makes life a threat. That's why you have to worry so much. That's why you have all these dialogues going on inside of your mind. You're either trying to figure out how to keep things from happening, or you're trying to figure out what to do because they did happen. You're fighting with creation, And that's what makes creation itself the most frightening thing in your life. The alternative is to decide not to fight with life. You realize and accept that life is not under your control. Life is continuously changing. And if you're trying to control it, you'll never be able to fully live it. Instead of living life, you'll be afraid of life. But once you've decided not to fight with life, you'll have to face the fear that was causing you to fight. Fortunately, you don't have to keep this fear inside of you. There is such a thing as life without fear. In order to relate to this possibility, 
we must first have a deeper understanding of fear itself. When you have fear inside of you, the events of life invariably stimulate it. Like a rock thrown into water, the world with its continuous changes creates ripples in whatever is held within you. There's nothing wrong with that. Life creates situations that push you to your edges, all with the effect of removing what is blocked inside of you. That which is blocked and buried within you forms the root of fear. Fear is caused by blockages in the flow of your energy. When your energy is blocked, it can't come up and feed your heart. Therefore, your heart becomes weak. When your heart is weak, it becomes susceptible to lower vibrations, and one of the lowest vibrations of all is fear. Fear is the cause of every problem. It's the root of all prejudices and the negative emotions of anger, jealousy, and possessiveness. If you had no fear, you could be perfectly happy living in this world. Nothing would bother you. You'd be willing to face everything and everyone because you wouldn't have fear inside of you that would cause you disturbance. The purpose of spiritual evolution is to remove the blockages that cause your fear. The alternative is to protect your blockages so that you don't have to feel fear. To do this, however, you will have to try to control everything in order to avoid your inner issues. It's hard to understand how we decided that avoiding our inner issues is an intelligent thing to do, but everybody's doing it. Everyone is saying, I will do every single thing I can do to keep my stuff. If you say something that disturbs me, I will defend myself. I'll yell at you and make you take it back. If you cause any disturbance inside of me, I will make you sorry. In other words, if somebody does something that stimulates fear, you think they did something wrong. You then do everything you can to make sure they never do it again. First, you defend yourself, and then you protect yourself. You do whatever you can to keep from feeling disturbance. Eventually, you become wise enough to realize that you do not want that stuff inside of you. It doesn't matter who stimulates it. It doesn't matter what situation hits it. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense or whether it seems fair or not. Unfortunately, most of us are not that wise. We're really not trying to be free of our stuff. We're trying to justify keeping it. If you truly want to grow spiritually, you'll realize that keeping your stuff is keeping you trapped. Eventually, you'll want out at any cost. You will then realize that life is actually trying to help you. Life is surrounding you with people and situations that stimulate growth. You don't have to decide who's right or wrong. You don't have to worry about other people's issues. You only have to be willing to open your heart in the face of anything and everything and permit the purification process to take place. When you do this, the first thing you'll see is that situations will unfold that hit your stuff. But in truth, that's exactly what has been happening your entire life. The only difference is, is that now you see it as a good thing because it's an opportunity to let go. What a profound moment that was for me when I had pretty much been experiencing exactly that, what he's talking about, the world bringing up these things inside of myself. Here I am spending the night and morning planning how I was going to justify these things or defend these things or fight against somebody causing this energy to come up inside of myself when reality, my only power is processing this energy and stop being so susceptible to it. In summary, this episode, Coming Home to Ourselves, is all about encouraging you to take the time and to set a time 
every day that you can sit and come in contact with the truth, to come in contact with reality as it is, yourself as it is, to begin this process of purification. I really enjoyed recording this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thanks for taking a listen, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye.